You're listening to the Fable 411 Podcast, produced by the City of Fable, where you'll get information about city government and the programs and services we provide. You'll get topics of interest and an inside look into the various departments that help keep our city moving. I'm Gab McRoberts. And I'm Sherry Kropp. Thanks for joining us for the Fable 411. Today, we're going to highlight the Arts Council of Fayetteville Cumberland County and talk about some of the ways they bring art and culture to our community. We're joined today by Antonio Renteria. He is the Director of Operations at the Arts Council. Thanks for being our guest today, Antonio. No, it's my pleasure to be here. Anytime we get a chance to showcase what the Arts Council does for the community, it's a great day. And you do a lot. You do a lot of great things in the community. Uh, Let's start off with um, talking about the gallery and some of the exhibits that you have there. Yeah, absolutely. So right now in the in the gallery through September 17th, we have the um, Revelations 50 Years uh, Dwight Smith work. So it's 50 years of work by FSU artists and teacher Dwight Smith. And it'll be going, like I said, through September, um, September 11th. And then starting September 17th, we have our Latinx exhibit. And the gallery is located right there on Hay Street, right? Yes, 301 Hay Street. Okay. And you always have a lot of great exhibits in there. And, and it's a neat building. I always love going in there because the old, I think it's the old po- post office building back in the day. So it's like you get that old, uh, uh, I don't know, what's that style? I'm not, I'm, an, I'm not an architecture nut, but it's like a federal style or something like that. Yeah, it's a it's a great building. We've actually still got the old catwalks in there for where the uh, inspector general kind of would work around and, and kind of check on the assembly line and stuff like that. I always love coming in and, and kind of taking a look at all the, the beautiful art that you have up on the walls. And is that normally open to the public at any time or do you need to make like an appointment to visit? No, our gallery is open to the public. We're open uh, normal office hours. So it's Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5. Um, Friday, it's uh, 9 to noon. And then on Saturday, it's noon to 4. And is there a cost? Nope, we are 100% free. That's what we like. That's yes. the best we like part. Free. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, I know that um, recently we've got some new art pieces that are downtown. Talk about the public art aspect of the Arts Council. Yes, we do Artscape 5, which is the temporary um, art installation that we have every year. It runs from June to June every year, so we've got about nine pieces in this year's exhibit. And, and a lot of these art pieces, it's not just the, the new art that comes in, and there's a lot of really cool stuff down there, um, but there's also some of the pieces from years past that were uh, community favorites that people put their money together to, to make a permanent installation as well. Yeah, we've, we've definitely got some permanent pieces too. We've got eight different permanent um, art pieces from, you know, the crowd favorite, like Natural Embrace or AKA the Venus Flytrap over there on Person Street. I love that one. Yeah. And then we've got Wayne Glory on the opposite side over there by the um, Hay Street and uh, Robeson Bragg Boulevard area there. So there's, there's a, some great permanent pieces. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's your favorite piece that you have right now in the public art? Is it temporary or permanent? Let's go temporary. Temporary. I've got kids, so it's got to be creepy crawly for me. That's the spider right right outside of Skyview there. My kids, every time we drive by it or scooter by it, they hop in. They want to take the photos. It's it's a fun piece. And that's the thing about the public art pieces. You want people to get involved. And um, the way that they're located, strategically located around downtown areas on some of the back streets so that people can get out and kind of explore the downtown area. Absolutely. We, we look really hard to find some great partners in the community, like one of those side streets, uh, the Burgess Street area. We just installed the Low Poly Open Heart. So it's kind of a perfect match with the church there saying that they're the heart of the community. We've got a piece of public art that's a heart outside. So we, we really try to kind of work with everyone to, to, to bring the best art that we can downtown. And I think that's what helps uh, so much when you have public art because it adds a lot of personality 
uh, to the community and to the downtown streets. And, and you have these whole historic streets, which is absolutely beautiful and absolutely gorgeous to look at. But it's also you have the splash of color, sp splash of liveliness, like, you know, the uh, <clears throat> those color arts that's in front of City Hall. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. I just love that. And I think it's great with the public art that you guys got going on. It, it's that stop and, and think for a moment. You know, you're driving down Hay Street and you look over at what normally be, you know, the City Hall. And then you see this beautiful archway and you're like, wow, what's going on there? And you're like, oh, wow, that's City Hall. So it's it's kind of a twofold with it. Absolutely. Now, I know the arts, uh, you guys do a lot more than just art and art exhibits. I mean, you have a lot of entertainment that goes on in the downtown, um, the cultural aspects of, of of our community. Tell me a little bit about what you have going on. Well, let's start out with um, Hay Street Live. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so we just finished wrapping up our season uh, one of Hay Street Live, which is a virtual concert series. We work with all North Carolina local artists to give them a platform. It's typically a 15 to 30 minute show. It's it's very well produced. It's got high definition um, audio and visual. We put it up on YouTube. Um, we're starting season two here in the fall. We're going to be switching to a, a once a month highlight, highlighting artist. But it's if you haven't got a chance to kind of check out some of those, they're, they're fantastic. We've had artists, uh, River Mist has been on. We've had King B. We've had Tish Monet and the Harmonics. We, we've had a great selection of music from rock and roll to hip hop to country kind of all throughout. A variety, yeah. yeah. I've, I've uh, watched one of them where um, I'm not sure what the artist's name was, but um, they were playing the violin, um, the piano, just all different kind of genres. Yes, we, we kind of mix it in. We do. We had the pianist with King B, um, and then we also had a couple different mixing it up with the violin, you know, acoustic guitars, a couple different interesting um, drum sets that we have had on there. Now, how would people, if they wanted to view Hay Street Live, how do they access that? You just go to our YouTube channel or our website. Um, you can go to our website, www.theartscouncil.com, and just find our Hay Street Live link, and you'll be able to access our YouTube page directly from there. And it shows all of our artists that we have on board and um, hopefully some upcoming ones, too. Excellent. And, I'm, and I imagine another one, you guys, I think this is probably one of Sherry's favorite uh, events you guys host on a regular basis is Fourth Fridays. Uh, well, Fourth Fridays is the Cool Spring Downtown District, okay. but we definitely partner with them in some capacities just to kind of add to it as as a spot downtown. There's um they they do have some upcoming the upcoming Fourth Friday here on uh, September is going to be great though. It's all centered around uh, Hispanic Heritage Month and kind of having that um, that live vibe. They've got the uh, what do they call it the district vibe going on. They close Maxwell Street. They're going to have uh, cultural performances. They're going to have a uh, variety of international food and just kind of a place where you can kind of just come and experience that. Listener, I wanted to give you a quick editor's note. This interview was recorded before the decision was made to cancel this year's Folk Festival because of the COVID-19 pandemic. We wanted to include the remainder of this interview because it does provide a good insight in some of the events and entertainment you can find at the Folk Festival in case if you were unaware of it or wanted to attend next year. Enjoy. Now, is that going to tie in also with the Folk Festival that you guys are preparing for? Yeah, so Folk Festival, as you know, is the, the next day. It's September 25th and 26th, starting it off at 10 a.m. in the morning with the parade and kind of going throughout through the weekend. Now, I imagine uh, you got a lot going on getting ready for it. How is it going to be different this year versus Folk Festivals in the past? Because, as you know, we still have the COVID uh, uh, virus going uh, through our community. So what are you guys doing to, to adjust? Yeah, I think a couple of the biggest things we've done this year is just kind of work on our layout of the festival. So I know we've, we've had a couple high traffic areas with like our, our international food. That's, that's one of the most popular parts of our festival. We have food from 15 to 30 different countries, and that's always kind of the first place people go to on the promenade. 
well, this year we've decided to break it up between the promenade and the park. Just give people more opportunities to kind of walk around and enjoy their favorite aspects as opposed to just kind of standing and waiting or being around a lot of people. And I think it helps having it as an outdoor venue to, Absolutely. to do something like this. Yeah, an outdoor venue. You know, we're not, our, our festival is, is more so about, like I said, that food and enjoying that culture, that entertainment and kind of learning about that stuff. Um, we don't have that big concert aspect at the end of the festival like we would typically have. So all those things will help alleviate a lot of that. And so people who have never been to the folk festival before, because we do have a lot of transient people with the military coming in and out, um, what can they expect whenever they, they go to the folk festival? Now, I know it's going to be a little bit different this year, but this is one of the largest festivals in North Carolina, right? Yeah, we're definitely one of the um, biggest festivals in the region, the area here. Um, we, if you haven't been to a folk festival before, I'd say you're definitely missing out. We, we really kind of capture the gambit with expressing that cultural identity that we have right. here in Fayetteville, Cumberland County. All the great cultural food uh, from the different countries, uh, cultural dances and music and, and things like that. And then you highlighted on the parade. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, so the parade starts Saturday morning at 10 a.m. It's down Hay Street. We start at Market Square and we go all the way to Ray Avenue. So we encompass that 100, 200, 300 block of Hay Street. And it's just, it's it's two hours jam-packed of culture and fun. Right. We've got, I want to say, 25 to 35 nation-represented uh, highlights from Mexico and the Colombian Taquiri group and Caribbean Connection. We've got a new parade uh, joining us this year, recipient um, we're get, uh, Azerbaijan is joining us and they're going to be marching in traditional outfits with uh, individual country flags. So that's going to be kind of cool to see just to just again to see that cultural element. And we're one of the most diverse communities in the nation with Fort Bragg here. So mm -hmm. it's a great chance to showcase that. And that's what I love to see is all the beautiful costumes. Oh, yeah. That they wear. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's another thing we like to say about our parade. It's it's not a, a typical parade in that, you know, the community just kind of comes out and walks. This, these are actual traditional attires, traditional dance that you'll mm -hmm. see in these native cultures, which is what makes the parade so cool. And it's a beautiful celebration. Yeah, absolutely. And then we jump right into the to the festival. And like you said, the, some of the things that you can expect to see, we've got um, food, crafts, and fun. So we've got food, uh, empanadas from Puerto Rico, spring rolls from Thailand, we've got entertainment, we've got the Native American Cultural Showcase, we've got Colombians, we've got the NC Brazilian Arts Project, comes out with the samba dancers and the live drums and the capoeira fighting style dancing. So lots of just great things to come and enjoy. Absolutely. And then I know uh, with some of the past um, festivals, you would have um, entertainment on, on one night uh, down in Festival Park, but because of the COVID restrictions and things like that, you're doing a little bit differently this year. You're just gonna have small entertainment pop-ups placed around. Yeah, we kind of tested it a little bit in 2019 actually, and just kind of focused a little bit more on those pop-up venues because we have a lot of different cultural entertainment. You know, we've got um, Hawaii that comes out every year that wants to perform or Mexico or Puerto Rico or Vietnam. So giving all these separate opportunities where it's not necessarily a large crowd all kind of huddled together but more so like as you're walking through the festival you get a chance to experience all these different cultures so you might have like an empanada in your hand and you're watching you know Colombia do some dance and then you go across the bridge and then you see Mr. Kabisky Ukrainian on the accordion so it kind of all adds to that experience with it. Will there be a, a, a central website where people can go to, to, to kind of see the map locations and the itinerary of events for the art uh, for the folk festival? Yeah absolutely everything that we produce is all going to be on our website you go to www.theartscouncil.com you find the folk festival link there should be a giant banner right on the home page you can click and it'll take you to there and then it'll go in depth with all the different aspects that we're covering 
And so let's just recap the dates and times for the Folk Festival again. Okay, so we've got uh, September 25th and September 26th. The parade is at 10, and the festivals is from 12 to 6, both days. Okay, perfect. And then I know uh, one other festival that you um, do is Dickens Holiday. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, Dickens Holiday is a, is a fun festival. It comes the day after Thanksgiving, so it's... Um, our way to kind of start the holiday. And one of the things that we did last year that we're going to continue into this year is what we call the spirit of Dickens. So it's the weekends leading up to Dickens holiday. We partner with Cool Spring Downtown District, the Downtown Alliance and the Merchants and kind of bring some of that entertainment, some of those um, pop-up corals and stuff like that downtown the weekends leading up to Dickens with it culminating with the Dickens holiday on that Friday. Excellent. Now, I know uh, we got about a minute and a half left in the show, but I know a lot of you guys do a lot of work, uh, a lot of art programs, entertainment options uh, for our community. How are you able to make all that possible? Yeah, well, we we do a lot with, um, like you said, bringing arts and, and culture to the community. And one of the ways we do that is working strictly with artists and schools through a lot of our grants programs that we offer to the community. Uh, we have our project support and operational support grants, which we've given to, you know, the Cape Field Botanical Garden and the Symphony. Um, and then we also have, you know, some of our artist support grants, which work directly with artists. And then our newest grant, to be honest with you, that that's one of my favorites is our mini grant program, which is really any artist, artist, individual organization that's doing something arts and culture related can apply for a mini grant up to $2,000 each quarter to, to help them in, you know, making their event for the community. I think it's uh, you guys are doing a lot of great stuff and really adding uh, to all the wonderful things that you can do in this community to really make uh, uh, this uh, our community a vibrant and enjoyable place to live and, and enjoy. So I want to thank you for coming on, Antonio, and sharing all that great information. And we're going to have to have you come back again soon. Yeah, no, I definitely appreciate it. And, and thanks to you for all you guys do to help get the word out. There's always a lot of stuff to do in Fayetteville, so it's about getting the messaging out. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Fable 411. The Fable 411 is one of several podcasts that the city produces for our podcast channel, Radio Fable, as we provide timely and informative updates every week on a variety of topics related to the city of Fable. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fable on Apple iTunes, the iTunes podcast app, as well as the Google Play podcast portal. And we're now available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. You can also listen to every podcast that Radio Fable has to offer by downloading the Fay TV streaming app available now on Roku, Apple TV, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. You can view all of our video content by visiting FayTV.net. To get information about city services, go to our webpage at FayetteVilleNC.gov. Thanks for joining us.